Santos has struggled today. He's missed two field goals, one from 50, one from 36. Low kick wow. here, and it is no good. <laughs> Unbelievable. You know, now you have to wonder if you're Mike Rabel. Oh, yeah. Do you give Santos another chance, or is it basically two-down territory, and we're just going for it on fourth down the rest of the day? Here you go, Mike Rabel opting again to give his kicker a shot at redemption. We're maybe going to give him one more chance. This is a tough kick, however. 53-yarder. He's missed from 50, 36, and 33. Santos, and he misses again. And his nightmare afternoon continues. Significant early season win for Josh Allen and Buffalo as they come to Nashville. And at last, the Tennessee Titans, 14-7. We all have a job to do. We like to think that if you make mistakes, that we can get them fixed and corrected. And whether that's on the field, whether that's coaching, and that, that's that's really what you have. You can't just sit there and decide, well, it's, it's not going well. This is our kicker. This is the guy who's made some kicks for us, and, and we'll have to do a better job making them and, and, and coaching them and executing them. And that is how it sounded yesterday. Spiro Didis, the call on CBS. And if the Titans continue to play like that week in and week out, they'll continue to get Spiro Didis and Adam Archuleta week in and week out as they wow. lose to the Bills. I can take a shot at them. 14 to 7. Well, you get to see, you get to see list CBS guys when your team stinks. You don't get Romo and Nance. You got to yeah. be good to get those guys. You, um, and the frustrating part about this Tennessee Titan team is that they have good players. Um, and for some reason, they can't get these good players to consistently play well. In in each game, even in some of the win, even in the wins, even in the Cleveland game, there were gaps where you know that game was close until you know until Derrick Henry gets the big run, the big screen play, um, and then they kind of broke the game open after that. Even in that game, it was close. Um, they had some gaps in the game. The Atlanta game, the head coach has a gaff and potentially puts his team in a position where if 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 um Sanu catches that touchdown pass, it's a one score game. Uh so even in their wins, you point to certain areas where they, they all just didn't play a good game. Like everybody, coach, players, offense, defense, special teams, it all didn't come together. And we saw it in this game where the defense played good. And then they give up a long run. Um, special teams didn't play well. They missed field goals. They had a, a gaffe on a punt return, which I don't blame on Humphreys. I blame more so on a, on a guy. Luckily, they end up getting the ball back and because that would have been disastrous. Um, the offense dropped passes, um, penalties at inopportune times, getting the quarterback sacked. So they had all of these things kind of in each game. They have one or two things. Now, some games, two games, they managed to overcome those because I just think they were better than the teams they were playing. And then the, the the three games that they lost, the teams were more evenly matched. And when you're more evenly matched with a team, you can't have those small things that end up beating you. They are small things that sometimes we miss. But if you have three or four small things, they are going to lose you a game. And the Titans had three or four small things, drop passes, penalties in the red zone. You can't have that stuff if you're going to beat a team like Buffalo. We said it last week. In order to beat Buffalo, you got to make plays when there are plays to be made. They were inside the three-yard line and got pushed back. Push back inside. They score a touchdown. It's a penalty. Yeah. 
You miss field goals. You gotta when you're when there's plays to be made, you gotta make them against that defense. Because the Buffalo Bills, when they needed to play, they made a play against the Titans defense. Yeah, Bills have the second best record in the NFL right now. So keep in mind that that's a pretty good defense you're playing against. And on the final six possessions of the game, Marcus and the offense got inside the Bills' 35-yard line four times and came away with seven points. That That is unacceptable. 0-4 um, for Santos. Um, the offensive line gave up five sacks. That's now 22 sacks in five games. That is the worst total in the NFL right now. So they the, the Titans' offensive line currently is the worst in the NFL at protecting the quarterback. They've got one of the worst special team situations as far as kickers go. And, and, and again, I, I view it like the Colts game to me. Uh, the, the phrase that came away, that I came away with that game from yesterday, was just another missed opportunity. A missed chance to go from good to great. A missed chance to pick up a win against a critical AFC wildcard team that you could be battling with for position at the end of the year. Missed opportunities. Missed chances in the red zone. Missed field goals. Missed you know, drop passes, which is a missed opportunity at first down to completion. And Mike Vrabel missing on another coaching decision. And... Should not have gone for it against Jacksonville on fourth and six in the third quarter. Should have kicked the field goal. Should not have gone for it on fourth and one against the Falcons in the fourth quarter. He should have made it a three-score game. He even told us that when he came back from Atlanta. He said, you know what? I've slept on it. I learned from my mistake. I won't do it again. And then he does it again where fourth and four, you have a 60 – I think it's a 75% chance the Titans are going to pick up that play through four games – When the Titans need three, four, or five yards, they convert 75% of the time, which means three out of four, you're going to pick up that first down. And instead, when you need seven points with six and a half minutes to go, you kick a 53-yard field goal. What are the percentage chances that the 0-3 kicker is going to make a 53-yard field goal when you're down seven in a rainy situation when you have a 75% chance of picking up the first down? I I don't understand the decision-making from Mike Vrabel in those three situations, three straight games. I don't think it's more than just a crack in the armor for Mike Vrabel. I still think he's been a solid head coach so far. It doesn't change all of the good stuff he's done in his year and a half as a tenure. Um, but I think it's fair to start asking questions about, all right, what 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 is it that you see, Mike, that that's making you that's sort of leading you to make these decisions? And uh, again, I don't understand it. I don't the fifty three yard field goal. I literally was sitting in in my living room just going like, uh, like really, huh? And I had my my three year old's birthday party was during is now. It's a rite of passage. The Titans have to lose to the Bills the same day that my daughter has a three-year-old has her has her birthday party. It's 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 tradition now. We invite the family over. We lose to the Bills. It's what we do. Um, <laughs> and and so we're sitting around, and I'm I'm everyone in the room is like looking at each other like yeah what 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 are you doing? It's six and a half minutes to go. It's 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 fourth and four. You're down by seven. What you've got a kicker who's zero for three. Like what are you doing? There's just no statistical analysis that tells me that's the right decision, and I, and I am concerned that Vrabel doesn't see that now three games in a row. There used to be this phrase, and you, you, you're well aware of this in college football, where Clemson, before they were good with Dabo Sweeney, Clemson was Clemsoning, right? Mm-hmm. Like Clemson would always do what Clemson always does. Well, we might as well just call that the Titans tightening now, because this is what they do. Three times in the last five years, they've played the Buffalo Bills. Buffalo has scored 15 points. They have scored 14 points. They have scored 13 points. And all three times, the Buffalo Bills have won. And the Bills were, I believe, one of the bottom five or six teams in the NFL going into yesterday in sacks registered for a defense. Mm -hmm. Yet you would have thought yesterday with how porous the line played 
that we saw Bruce Smith and Cornelius Bennett reincarnated from the early 90s. I mean, they couldn't block a single person yesterday. Yeah, B- Bills had 11 possessions on offense, and only three times did they even get into the Titans full, past the 40-yard line, which means the Titans' defense held them largely out of scoring territory for most of the game, except for the two times that they got in there. They converted and scored touchdowns. The Titans got in there all throughout the second half and missed all of their opportunities. And, and that's what they will continue to go back to. Uh, you got against defenses like that, you got to score touchdowns rather than get, you know, opportunities to get field goals. Yes, field goals are good, but if you're if you work that hard to put yourself in that position against a very good defense, you got to get 6 points. You, you, it's just imperative that you get six points, and, and the Titans didn't. They had a chance to tie the score up. They did, but they didn't because they had a penalty, and then they kept getting pushed further and further back. Um, so Titans, they blame – you can't blame anyone but yourself. And then, you know, you're trying to figure out, you know, Brable. Um, it, I think at times – I think Brable needs to separate himself from – very able to coach and very able to player. I think he does. Uh, I think there are times where he thinks more like a player um, and it doesn't work. Um, I think he has to throw away the player's hat. He just needs to get rid of it and because he's a head coach now and he got to do things the head coach just does. Uh, I'm not going to say he's a bad head coach because he's not. He has a 9-7 he has nine to seven record last year. It was a winning record. As a first-year head coach, he did some things as a first-year head coach that you know that 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 were positive. But then he did some things as first-year head coach that weren't positive. That were not positive. I think he's a good coach, but for him to elevate, like you said, go from good to great, for him to take this team from good to great, it it's not solely on the players. He has to remove that player's hat, throw it away. And never put it back on. But you know what, though? And if you're going to go from good to great, there's a lot of things that need to change. But if if I'm Vrabel this morning and it's my decision and I have the power, somebody needs to lose a job today. Cairo Santos, and I said this in the first two hours mm-hmm. of the show, I would cut Cairo Santos. There's got to be some kicker out there on the market that's you know can't be any worse than Cairo Santos. And I'm looking at Keith Carter this morning, my offensive line coach, and I'm contemplating whacking him as well. So, I mean, you can't have a game like yesterday mm-hmm. where if you don't make a move or a change, in my opinion, mm-hmm. you, you are basically saying that is permissible. And if you're going to steer this thing in the right direction, you got to send a message. Well, uh, the only reason I say, the only reason I'm not solely on board with the fire of the offensive, court, or the offensive line uh, coach thing is because then who do you get? Well, you get his protege that thinks like him. That, that, that coaches like him. Um, so you're going to end up getting the same thing moving forward. I think you, you you hope and pray that the guys that you played paid a lot of money to, Lawan, Saffo, Ben Jones, your Payne Conklin, those guys turn it around because Corey said it. You know, Saffo is all fundamentals. It all, it's all fundamentals. 
and 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 Taylor probably the same thing. Well, if it's fundamentals, then you need to fundamentally get your ass right. That's what you need to do. You know, it's you can't keep screaming fundamentals, fundamentals. That's not on the coach. If he's teaching you these fundamentals and then you're not putting them in play in the game, that's not on the coach. Well, did blocking the spin move that, change yeah. over Roger Saffold's last 15 no. years of playing in college in the NFL? Or is when a linebacker takes one step to the right and then spins back inside, is that the same exact move that you've been faced with for your entire he, career? He and Taylor totally whiffed on that. They did a stunt. And he and Taylor both just, they, I don't know what they were thinking because it was just a cross, it wasn't a cross blitz, it was just a, it was just a, a twist. They well, ran. then that's a communication people. issue, right? It's a communication issue. It was a twist. And Sappho was in the inside, Taylor was on the outside. They twist, Taylor kept his man, which they should have just passed it off, and they didn't do it. So Sappho got caught inside of Taylor trying to wrap around him. That is a communication thing. They need to get that right. That is fundamental play. Pass it off and let's go. That's stuff that they, they've learned since they were in college. So, again, Saffold, if it's just fundamentals, then you're, tell, you're telling me fundamentally you're not sound. Fundamentally, that left side is not sound. If that's the case, then we need to get somebody else. And I know it's hard to get someone else right now. Titans fans, your call is 737-1025-615-737-1025 is the number. We'll come back. We'll take your Titans calls. You'll hear from Delaney Walker and Taylor Lewan. We're back after this on Morning Drive. I feel bad for him, man, you know. Uh, when you miss them kicks, it's tough, but uh, I think they pay him a lot of money to make them kicks. So at the end of the day, it's what it comes down to. You know, I think one Titans fan told me that he's, his dad sold his, their season tickets because he said the ball was going to break, break their heart. And so we have to be better. I mean, that's just what it is. Like, there's nothing. I'm not saying anything that nobody else sees. Like, we have to be better. And that's myself included, everybody. Like, upstairs, coaches, players, everybody has to be better. And, and that's got to be consistent. And it can't be, oh, we lost. Well, uh, well, let's be better. And then we win. And then we're like, oh, we're the greatest. It's, it's got to stop. Yeah, it's just, it's getting out of hand. It is getting out of hand. That was Delaney Walker and Taylor Lewan back-to-back. The tight end talking about the kicker. The offensive left tackle talking about the team in general. Your thoughts, 737-1025. We'll get back to your calls right now. Neil is on morning drive, and he's next up. What's up, Neil? Hey, how's it going, guys? Good. Hey, uh, Derek, probably the only time I'll get to talk mm-hmm. to you, man. It was a pleasure watching you play as a tight, man. I'm glad you're back home. Thank you. Um, I just want to say this. You know, I think it was after the Jacksonville game. It might have been you guys or 104.5, and I listen to a lot of local radio. Um, They were talking about the offensive line coach. Uh, They had never coached an offensive line before. Well, after last year and this year, and I think you just said we have one of the worst offensive lines in NFL, he's got to go. When we had Russ Grimm, our offensive line didn't look like hot garbage. As a matter of fact, if if they need to advertise this guy as hot garbage, like hot pots, hot garbage, <laughs> hot garbage. But literally, I mean, there's got to be somebody in the NFL that can coach an offensive line. I mean, you can't just get more. Because we've seen when they block, Marcus played pretty decent last year, last week against the Atlanta Falcons. You can't judge Marcus on when he's getting smashed in the mouth. No quarterback can survive that. Do I believe that Marcus could play better? Absolutely. But he's got to go. No, Neil, you're, you t- you're you're totally right. I mentioned that two hours ago. I mentioned Russ Grimm's name about 45 minutes ago. 
In Nashville right now, you can get two things. You can get hot chicken and you can get hot garbage. And the Titans provide the hot garbage. Wow. Which one's more spicy right now? The hot garbage. The Titans. <laughs> the Titans offensive line might be spicier. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's just, you know, the, for a very long time, one thing you can kind of hang your hat on is the Tennessee Titans in the offensive line, uh, whether it be the two tackles or, or just the line in general. Um, the last two years – um, they've lost their way at that position. Uh, I, I said Mike Munchak when he was here, they always had a, a good offensive line. Uh, Russ Grimm, and you're talking about two Hall of Fame offensive linemen, had a good line. Um, last year and this year, they're, they're regret, they've regressed as an offensive line. I'm looking at Roger Saffold's uh, run blocking grade and his pass blocking grade. For the season, he's basically at fail right now. Um, first game of the season, pass block. And I look, this is why, and, 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 and this is all analytics. And you know, some people love pro football focus, some people don't. It's just whatever your cup of tea is. But first game of the season, 68. Second game of the season, Indianapolis, 64. This is all run block. Uh, against Jacksonville, 58%. Now, against Atlanta, everybody pretty much fared well. He was 85%. Right now, he's at a D marking um, for pass blocking. I am paying you that much money. You shouldn't be getting a D. You shouldn't be getting nothing yeah. less than a B. Yeah, and, and I and I think your your question about Keith Carter, the offensive line coach. I, I think it is fair. It's not just about Roger Saffold mm-hmm. and this group of guys. It's about last year too. Yeah, it, it, he, Marcus was either one or two. I can't remember one or two in in per, sack percentage last year. So this offensive line didn't do they didn't do a good job coaching and developing and executing this. Now the, the players take a lot of the heat as well on this. The players need to, but it, it, when you have a conversation about a coach who's maybe not doing the job, you have to incorporate the entire body of work. And last year is a part of this discussion as well. And through five games this year, it, it he's, he's now again no, no Lawan. Maybe let's see what it looks like in three. If if in four weeks we're still having all of these same same problems, then. At, at some point, the coach is not getting a what should be a talented offensive group ready to go. And it, and listen, Nate, Nate, maybe Nate Davis is is going to come along and and have a decent season. And you know, maybe he is a solution at right guard. He got his first career start yesterday. But th- this group needs to show progress. They need to develop and get better. And and that's on the coaching staff. And that includes last year as well. You got to include all of those games in the evaluation of Keith Carter. Six one five seven three seven one zero two five. The number. Demario is next on Morning Drive. What's up, Demario? Hey, how you doing, guys? You doing good? Hey, um, uh, I just kind of want to comment. I, I heard a lot of things yesterday. Uh, I mean, I've been a Titans fan since I was seven. When the team moved to Memphis, I was living there, and they played at the Liberty Bowl. So I never turned on the Titans. But one thing I think a lot of people have to understand with the the um, Buffalo Bills fan. I mean, that team historically, the fans have always been a a great traveling team. I mean, those those fans, the Bills fans, Pittsburgh, Dallas, um, you know, Forty ers I mean, we we always, you know, we we have a, a high population, you know, of those fans here in Tennessee. But I mean, I guess that could kind of contribute to the percentage yesterday. We have to understand just Bills fans just travel well. But uh, the other thing I wanted to comment on was also. Um, Looking at the offensive line, I mean, I, I really can't put – I don't really think we, we have to put a lot of blame on Mario. I think a lot of people are doing that again. Uh, I'm not completely taking him off the hook because I do believe the games that he throws with anticipation and he leads the receivers, 
uh, he looks outstanding. But I think yesterday it's a little bit of both, you know, uh, holding on to the ball too long. And I just feel like this year with him playing for his contract, I feel like he's playing with more pressure, and that's in the back of his mind when I feel like the years before that wasn't the, the situation. Like I just really feel like they need to, you know, take the handcuffs off and just let him play. You know, I mean, even if he would have two or three interceptions by now. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think he. Down. I don't think the pressure's bothering him because he's yet mm-hmm. to turn the ball. Over. And, and he's having and he's having the best statistical season right now in the face of the worst offensive line. Now let's also talk Derrick Henry. They're they're running the ball as well yeah. as we could have expected them mm-hmm. to at this stage. Um, as well, and and you know Arthur Smith's a part of this conversation too. I, again, I, I think the coaching decisions were questionable yesterday from Vrabel, at least the big one down there at the end. But by and large, this team was ready to play and and all this stuff. To me, it was about dropped passes, you know, five sacks allowed and four missed field goals. That, that's an execution problem from from the little the things that you just are supposed to do. You're a pass catcher. You're paid to catch passes on third down. Deion Lewis, Delaney Walker, Corey Davis, you know Adam Humphreys, catch the ball. Uh, you're a field goal kicker. You're paid to make field goals. Make the kick. You didn't. The offensive line, you, you're, you are paid half of your contract to block pass rushers. You didn't yesterday. So to, to me, the, the quarterback is not a part of this conversation. I don't know if he had time to let it rip. And Josh Allen wasn't all that much better. He had one drive where he was he had time to throw, and they went right down the field and scored a touchdown. Uh, the other touchdown was a short pass that Isaiah McKenzie turned into a 50-yard gain, and all of a sudden they scored a touchdown. They capitalized on their opportunities. They only had three trips inside the Titans' 40, and they got two touchdowns out of the deal because they capitalized. The Titans had four trips inside the 35 just in their last six possessions, and they got seven points out of the deal because they missed three field goals in that time. It, you have to capitalize. Marcus got his team into a position to win the game, and they failed to execute. The receivers, the offensive line, the kicker, the coach, they all failed to execute. 737-1025 is the number. Anthony, next on Morning Drive. What's up, Anthony? Hey, how are you guys doing? Doing good. Great. I was just wanted to comment about the offensive line. Uh, everyone seems to be kind of uh, kind of uh, putting a lot of heat on this game, uh, on the offensive line, and, and kind of being a fan of uh, you know a couple of teams in the NFL, I feel like uh, – this offensive line, while they did let a few sacks through, they, they gave uh, Mariota a lot of time to throw, and they moved the ball quite well. So some of the fans that are calling for, you know, the head of the, co- uh, the offensive line coach, you know, I don't really know enough about that. But I want I, I, from, from to, from an objective standpoint of, a, you know, kind of a neutral fan, I thought they did really well against one of the best, you know, kind of front seven defensive uh, attacks in the league. Uh, I mean, with all due respect, you're way off base. I mean, the Bills' pass rush was deplorable going into last, going into this week, and they were in the bottom yeah. six in the league in sacks, and they ate Mariota a lot. Yeah, I don't and, know what you were watching. And again, I, I think if I'm, I'll try to make his case maybe for him in, in this situation, and that is again, that, you know, they went on a fifty, like they went on a 50, their last six possession, fifty-seven yard drive, missed field goal, thirty-eight yard drive, touchdown, seventy-one yard drive, missed field goal, forty-yard drive, missed field goal. They had a couple of three and outs in there. But those are their last six possessions. By and large, the offense did go down the field and get into scoring territory. They just got into those areas and failed to execute. And, again, largely that was a couple of critical sacks, some missed field goals, and drop passes. And, and, and then, again, a variable decision that sort of boggles my mind. So I, I see what he's trying to get at, which is even through all of that against a great defense, they still showed enough signs of life to win the game. And it's the same as the Colts game to me. 
You had you had the you had an opportunity to win the game. That fourteen points were called back due to penalty. It, there's just and that one's one of those is on the quarterback. Although we're talking about a fraction of an inch there, right? If his if his foot is literally a half a yard back from where he threw that football, it's touchdown and and maybe they win the game. So it's not like they weren't close. It's just you got to finish when you have opportunities in, inside the opponent's 35-yard line, and they didn't. Clark's only working horseshoes and hand grenades. Yeah. And last I checked, we ain't playing horseshoes in Nissan, and damn sure ain't got no hand grenades. So there we go. Although that sounds like a Buffalo Bills tailgate party. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, we're gonna, hey, guys, we're going to play uh, horseshoes and hand grenades later. What do you guys want to do? <laughs> Who's going to let go of the, the grenade? Poll question for Titans fans. What would you rather do this upcoming Sunday, watch the Titans and Broncos or have a hand grenade thrown in your living room? <laughs> I think I'd rather have the hand grenade thrown in the living room. It'd probably end up the same. Yeah. Disaster in both areas. <laughs> All right. Coming up next, we will go to Knoxville. David Ubbin covers the Vols from The Athletic. We will try to make sense of what Jeremy Pruitt has done through a year and five games. That's next on Morning Drive. All my men listeners, listen. I've been telling y'all for over a year now about my good friends over at Cool Springs MD. More men have started to seek help for hormone deficiencies and imbalances. Dr. Jeffrey Lodge and his wife Daphne, along with that experienced staff, give men the treatment required to improve their quality of life. And yes, men on a rainy and gloomy day, our quality of life needs to be improved because if it's better, everyone else around us is better. Cool Springs MD services have already helped many men of the Brentwood, Nashville, and the surrounding areas here in Tennessee with improving their immune systems. <coughs> Excuse me, energy levels, cognitive functions, and more. I need to go see Cool Springs MD. My immune system might be a little weak right now because the weather's changing and everything else. But I'm going to do like many of you men should do. All of you men should do that are listening to me. Go see Cool Springs MD. They're there to connect you with your medical care, medical care required to have a healthy and enriched life. And there's no better time now to achieve a healthier lifestyle. Men, what are you waiting on? Wives. Tell them to stop waiting because if they are better, everyone else is better. And if they're feeling good, you're feeling good. And here's the number uh, to get into contact with Cool Springs MD and make that appointment. All right. Here's the number 615-486-3458. That's 615-486-3458. Or visit the website, CoolSpringsMD.com. All right, welcome back into Morning Drive, the ESPN 102.5 The Game. Nick Braden, D-Mace, and Marquise with you. Rough weekend between the Titans, Vandy, the Preds, and the Vols. And speaking of the Vols, we welcome in David Ubbin from The Athletic. David, I I thought for about a quarter and then ten minutes, Jeremy Pruitt really had a good game plan uh, through a good majority of that first half on Saturday night in Knoxville. And then it came undone with allowing a touchdown, missing a field goal, and then allowing a touchdown. Uh, your, your thoughts overall on Jeremy Pruitt from Saturday night, specifically the first half? Yeah, I mean, I think it put a little bit of a scare into Georgia. Uh, they might have found a quarterback. And, uh, you know, it, it's weird that, uh, you know, the, the state of Tennessee football right now is that you lose by a game by 29 points, or I guess, it was, yeah, 29 points, and people are kind of encouraged by it. Uh, and I think they may have some good reason to. Um, but, you know, time will tell. I think uh, the quarterback situation will be pretty fascinating to watch the, the rest of the season. 
So defensively, this this team is still just completely lifeless. Um, and again, I know they played well in the first couple of quarters, but Jake Fromm essentially dissected them, and they got zero pressure. Jeremy Pruitt, through through a year and a half, is supposed to be a defense. That's his thing. Is this defense? And it has it has shown in seventeen games zero signs of progress. What is there for, for what? Where's the hope for Tennessee fans that they're going to get better on defense? I don't think it's going to happen this year. I mean, def- defensive line is just not there. They don't have the guys there, uh, and they when they rush four, they cannot get any pressure. I mean, you you knew that wasn't going to happen against Georgia. Their offensive line was too good. But they haven't done that against almost anyone all year long when they rush four. When they're they're going to have to bring pressure to get pressure. Uh, they just don't have a game changer up front, and they're you know they've struggled obviously in the secondary. We've seen some regression. Uh, I thought Bryce Thompson played pretty well on Saturday night, but Belante Taylor looks like he's regressed. And now you got health issues. You know Warren Burrell is, is a little bit banged up, and, and he wasn't able to go. And uh, so when you're <laughs> You got guys that aren't playing well, and now that are guys that are, you know, maybe try to play hurt at this point. You know, you're you're asking for a lot, and, and when you can't get a when you can't get a uh, uh, a pass rush, uh, you're gonna have trouble covering on the back end, and, and your your corners and your safeties have not played particularly well. And uh, you know, there's only so much that Daniel Batuli and, and and Henry To'o can do, and, and those have pretty much been your two best guys defensively. Uh, Daryl Taylor has, has kind of been a non-factor for a lot of this year. Now, do you think they've um, they found their quarterback and Brian Maurer um, came in? He did a pretty good job, two touchdowns, I believe, um, one pick. Um, they end up removing him toward the end of the game. Um, but for the most part against that Georgia team, um, a guy getting his first start, he played okay. It wasn't bad. It wasn't great. But I think he came in and did a good enough job. Do you think moving forward that they found their quarterback and they're just going to ride him for the rest of the season? We have to keep riding him. I think they're gonna, they're probably going to need Garantano at some point. I mean, Maurer's a true freshman. You got some tough games coming up. Uh, they need to win this game, Mississippi State, on on Saturday, and then you got Alabama. Uh, but Maurer took a, a bunch of big hits on Saturday, especially the one at the end there that, that uh, Georgia took back. And uh, you know, beyond just helping him develop mentally, uh, you know, Garantano, there, there's a pretty good chance that he may have to come in and play. I mean, Maurer got banged up pretty good. Uh, his non-throwing arm had an issue. He took some big hits, and and they're gonna, you know, Jerry Pruitt said it after the game. I mean, they're gonna need Garantano at some point. Uh, you know, whether that be to you know be a mentor or step in, uh, but you got to ride Mauer at this point. Uh, I, I think it's pretty indisputable that that Tennessee's offense was better with him at the helm uh, than it was with Garantano. And I think you know they definitely simplified a whole lot. Uh, it looked like they were asking him to make you know one to three reads if it wasn't there, throw it away and and avoid the the negative play. Um, but but his ability to kind of stick the ball on guys, you know, 15 yards downfield, you know, Tennessee had five plays of uh, 20 yards or longer uh, on Saturday, and they only had seven in the three other games that they played against, um, you know, FBS competition. And for a true freshman to be able to do that against Georgia, uh, you know, a top 15 defense is, is pretty impressive. David Ubbin from The Athletic joining us, talking all things Tennessee football here on Morning Drive. Let's get to the culture aspect of this team. We saw the Jeremy Banks arrest video. We heard Jeremy Pruitt uh, discussing that, and then he decides to dismiss Banks from the team. Uh, and then also Bryce Thompson has his issue off the field, and he comes back, and it, it felt like a little bit of a desperate move by Jeremy Pruitt. So with those two isolated incidents, what do we make of Jeremy Pruitt right now in the culture of this team? 
Well, if you're at, you know, if you're sort of asking why Jeremy Banks is gone and why Bryce Thompson is still here, I don't think I have a good answer for you on that one. Uh, but you know, I think ultimately, uh, you know, Tennessee is probably going to, you know, do these things have a way of, of kind of going away, and that's you know, uh, sort of, um, you know, a sad state in some ways, but that's just sort of the way that it works. I think they would try to put in his, you know a couple of, of bad apples or a guy that made a mistake or those kind of things. I think that's what the, the, the sort of talk you're, you're going to hear when those things do get talked to, you know, do get mentioned, but it's not a good look for the university. I mean, I think it's, it's, uh, you know, a couple guys on the team, obviously that have, that have done things that don't reflect well uh, on the program or the school or, or, uh, you know, the, the future. I mean, those are guys that Jeremy Pruitt recruited and, and brought to Tennessee and, and uh, that's not something that, that I'm sure they want to see. You know, there was a lot of rumors lately, a lot of noise from outside the program, from around the SEC. Certainly, you can see the motives there for other SEC teams and coaches and players to be poking holes at Tennessee because they, they want to use it on the recruiting trail. But uh, a lot of noise about Fulmer and all this stuff. I am of the belief that there's almost a 0% chance Jeremy Pruitt is 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 replaced this season. Um, he has now lost, of course, 7 out of 10 SEC games by at least 25 points, though. So they're not even competitive against the most important teams that they play. What, what is the percentage chance that, that Fulmer is, is wanting to do this? I, I heard his quotes yet last week, but just in your opinion, what, what is the percentage chance Fulmer actually does something this year versus waiting till next season? I mean, I would say single digits. It, it, it would, you know, you're going to have to have something drastic happen. Um, you know, whether, I think you know, outside of scandal, I think you're talking about you know, if Tennessee loses the rest of their games in the SEC by 21 points or more, they may have some really tough decisions to make at the end of the season. Um, you know, I wrote about this. Wrote about this in the Athletic. I mean, it's it's the the amount of lopsided losses that he has endured are 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 more frequent and to worse teams than any of his predecessors. Uh, you know, for as much criticism as Butch got, and for as much criticism as Derek Dooley got, you know, we're sitting here a year and a half into the Jerry Pruitt era. And, you know, seven of his last ten losses in the SEC player by 25 points or more, that's a lot. Uh, and, and those aren't all to the Georgias and Alabamas in the world. There's an Alabama, you know, Vanderbilt, a Missouri mixed in there. Uh, you know, that's that's uh, kind of amazing to see. You know, the, I wrote about this again last week, and, and Butch Jones was fired the first time. The next day, he lost to a uh, an unranked team by 25 points or more. Jerry Pruitt's done it three times in just a season and a half, and that is a stark comparison, I think. David, always appreciate the time. Thanks for stopping by. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. You got it. David Aubin, who covers the Vols for The Athletic. Jeremy Pruitt again, and you've mentioned the numbers. I mean, mind-boggling how many times you lose by four scores. Yeah, so he's coached 17 games, and they have lost eight times by 25 points or more he's played in 10 he's coached 10 sec games he's lost seven of them by 25 points or more they've lost four consecutive two sec teams by at least 25 points two of those were missouri and vanderbilt um again i you can talk rebuild and you can say this program was a dumpster fire and he needs time and all that stuff but it you should not – I don't care how bad a program is. If you have the resources and talent and ability that Tennessee has to, to win at a high level, it should not take you 18 games and you still be a seven-point underdog to a bad Mississippi Mississippi State team at home. This is where we are with Tennessee football. That David said it. A 29-point loss against Georgia is viewed as a positive. 
That's where we are right now. Vols fans have nothing else to look at. And so, again, I am not of the belief that you move on a coach in year two. I think it's it's premature. I think all that stuff. But the lack of competitive football is a major concern, and it and it should never be like that at University of Tennessee. There's no doubt about it. Jeremy Pruitt inherited uh, inherited a dumpster fire. The problem is the dumpster's still on fire after a year and a half. It's gotten worse. You yeah. haven't extinguished it. You yeah. haven't even like mitigated it to a smolder. No, you haven't, and I don't see um, this program um, getting better. Uh, you know, uh, unless Brian Maurer can come in and and you know, again, he played well against Georgia. Um, he took some big shots, uh, but if he can be that that difference maker um, at the quarterback position, I think it does change. Um, how this program moves forward because we understand that if you just get the right player uh, underneath center, that can change everything. And they thought they had that, you know, toward the end of last year, entered this year with Garantano and found out they didn't. And now they're dependent on a, a, a true freshman to, uh, you know, change somewhat the fortunes of this program because if he does well, then I think it – then if your quarterback does well and show promise, you can use that on the recruiting trail to um, to other um, skilled players, saying, listen, we got the quarterback, we just need X player. We need another receiver, another tight end. And you can sell those indiv- those individuals coming in on the quarterback play. Coming up next, we'll take a little break from sports. Maybe a little fun, a little entertainment, a couple of laughs. Stick to sports. Coming up next, Morning Drive. It is Morning Drive, 848, live here on a Monday. Braden Galt's rocking out. He's bobbing, he's weaving. <laughs> that is a country artist's song right there. You like this? A Sturgill, baby. Sturgill. Go watch the movie. Go watch the animated movie. You will. Not, you cannot take your eyes off it. Uh, that's the music video for the the big hit. Well, it's, it's a movie. It's an animated movie that's set to his album on Netflix. Go check it out. I've watched it three times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can say. I'm not an animated fan. Like I don't know anything about anime. I don't know anything about anime. I don't know if it's good or bad anime, but I cannot take my eyes off of it because it's fantastic. Speaking of watching something three times, I went and saw the Joker movie Friday night. I am telling you, I would see it three times. Oh, the uh, Wa- Joaquin, Joaquin Phoenix. Joaquin right? Phoenix so he was just wait, I mean, so, so here's my question this number was, one yeah this was a stick to sports <laughs> oh, question my, my fault. all right let's stick to sports <laughs> the world is a crazy place crazy sounding pretty good right now let's lighten the mood after all that seriousness <laughs> you're just gonna crumble it up and throw in the trash basically and stick to sports now on morning drive all right d-may stick to sports brought to you by the good folks at Decorated Den Interior stick with the pros at Decorating Den when you're ready to decorate your home, office, or outdoor spaces. Request a complimentary appointment, which is free in this world, at decoratingden.com. Number one. Carry on, Nick. <laughs> no, I mean, I was just saying, I went by myself because... Did you really? Yeah, the wife would refuse to take the girls. I guess you got to be six to see a rated R movie, and it's probably not right for them to see I, it anyway. I don't think the five-year-old yeah. should watch... But Olivia the loves the Joker. Like she, she has seen bits and pieces of other. Like she's all into superheroes because she's the tomboy of the okay. two. All right. And and I wanted to take her, but the wife. You know, I, I I erred on the side of caution. I was like, all right, Kristen, you're right. She probably shouldn't go see it. But I saw it, and I, I thought Joaquin Phoenix. He took the look of Cesar Romero from the TV show in the '60s. 
He had dark elements like Heath Ledger. He had funny moments like Jack Nicholson. I'm not going to be prisoner of the moment and say he's the best Joker ever, but he combined everything together I, plus his own ability. He might win an li- Academy li- Award. Listen, listen to the, the cinematic analysis on Nick Cale over here. Dude, I mean, his laugh impressive. is pretty good. I, I will yeah. say that I just – here's my pro- – do we not have like – do you two marquees too? Like do you guys have problems with the idea – that you can just have like six different Spider-Man movies, four different Hulk movies, th- <laughs> six movies about the Joker. Like, nah. it, it's confu- It's not confusing. I just don't think it's. It doesn't feel like it's. I get it. Joaquin Phoenix is great. It's. It looks like it's really well written. I would love to watch it, but I just feel like Heath Ledger did it as no one's ever going to top Heath Ledger. Why are we trying to do new movies about the same thing? I, I don't know. It See, just that's kind of why. The wrong way. That's why I'm a big fan of Wolverine and how that was done because Hugh Jackman just played that role throughout. Mm-hmm. Same thing with Iron Man. Same thing with Captain America. And some of these, but it's kind of like a whirlwind when it comes to Spider-Man. And then you have to do a Spider-Man movie with Venom. Venom was the dude from that '70s show, and then all of a sudden it was like Tom Hardy in in the separate like Venom movie. So it's just yeah, it's like lack of consistency with character, especially with Batman. Because it isn't like Robert, but, but, the dude from but they're also Batman. they're also different franchises. Like yeah. Michael Keaton did two of them, and then Christian Bale did three different directors, different producers, different plot twists and storylines. It's not universal and linear, I guess. Uh, no, but I mean, go check it out. I'm telling you, it is phenomenal. I like. See, I probably I like, will like it. Yeah. I like the Joker movies. Um, I like the you know Heath Ledger when you know when he you know tragically passed away during that movie but the way they did that was just it was great it was probably if not the best performance of the joker um you know that i've at least i've seen um i hadn't seen the new one so i can't comment on that one there's no batman in this 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 is specifically a joker movie is it like an origin story like the marvel comic stuff kind of like the kind of like what you said about um the venom movie it's an origin story we're going to tell you the story of them right and how they became this this is how he became the joker which is what star wars is doing right like here's a han solo movie Uh here's a you know boba fett's gonna have a movie like they're doing what they're doing is they're taking all of our money and putting it in their pocket yeah if you've seen the venom movie with tom hart it's the same thing because it's basically it has no Spider-Man in the movie at all. The movie's awful, by the way, but has no Spider-Man in it. It's just the origins of how he yeah. became Venom, it, pretty it's, much. It's how these m- giant movie studios have realized how they can just milk money out of the American people. Like that's what they figured out. They can go, oh, we're gonna have like five X-Men movies, but oh, you know what we're gonna do? The twelve characters in the X-Men movies, they're each gonna have their own movie. Star Wars has so many characters. Now they're all gonna have their own r- origin story. Same thing with DC, I guess, which is Joker, right? DC Comics, they're gonna have an origin story behind all of it. As long as it's well done, they're probably all very entertaining movies. I just feel like how many like I don't, I can't keep all the Hulk movies straight, all the Spider-Man movies straight, all the Batman movies straight. Like I can't keep them straight, and it's just. I, I don't know. They go in one ear out the other. I don't know which. Ex- I don't know what X Men or what's the Xfinity Avengers. I have no idea what happens in any of the Avengers movie because I can't keep them all straight because there's five of them. I, I just. But speak, speaking of price gouging, guess what I paid just for my ticket alone on Friday night. Uh, I'm gonna guess eight nine fifty in yeah, that range. Yeah, try try twenty bucks. Oh yeah, what? what? Twenty yeah, dollars for my yeah, ticket. For I was, ticket. Yeah, I was gonna say why didn't you invite me? And now I'm glad you didn't. I mean, it was me and me alone. I paid twenty for the ticket, five fifty for a sixteen ounce water, and four seventy five for a small popcorn. I spent uh, you, thirty bucks on myself. You, you should have brought some uh, some of those airplane bottles of Tito's with you. 
Yeah, that's yeah, what you really. should have brought. Well, going back to Can I have a cup of ice, please. Like going back to Michael <laughs> Keaton. Wow. Going back to Michael Keaton playing Batman. Was that the movie that had that seal song as a soundtrack? Kiss by a Rose? That was the most random song that's ever been placed in a movie of all time, I think. I don't think Michael Keaton is a top five Batman. I don't think, yeah. No, nah, Ben Affleck was awful as Batman. Okay, Michael Keaton was better than him. Was Keaton better than Kilmer? Yes. yes. Kilmer and Clooney were awful. Kilmer, okay. I mean, I mean the, the, Christian Bale's... And, you, can, uh, you can rank your Batmans in one of three orders. Who's Adam, Adam West, Michael Adam Keaton, West. Christian Bale. But then again, you got to differentiate between Batman and Bruce Wayne. Who played a better Batman than a Bruce Wayne? Oh, but isn't that part of the role is to be able to play both of them? Christian, I, I think Christian Bale is the best. I think Christian Bale was the best Batman. I think Michael Keaton was the best Bruce Wayne. I'm just not oh. a... I can't... I don't think Keaton is... Yeah. yeah I, I, like, I like Bale. Bale better yeah. as Batman, yeah. And, as, as, and um, Bruce Wayne. Yeah. With Bruce Wayne. Okay. Adam West is probably a pretty good Bruce Wayne. Very good. It's also like Bond. Like, how many different Bond movies are there with different characters playing Bond? Like, six dudes? It's complicated. Pierce Brosnan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the two. one you went with? Exactly. Of all, all right, Ro- Roger Moore. You happy, Roger Moore? <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> all right, so Pierce I'm going to get Brosnan. back to sports, but you, you'll get wild. So, so Snoop Dogg performed... This weekend at Kansas's Midnight oh, Madness. I saw this. If you don't know what Midnight Madness is, it's pretty much well, where it introduces you to the basketball and the women's basketball team. So it's called Late Night at the Fog. Yeah, Late Night at the Fog. If you're Kansas. a Kansas fan, <laughs> Snoop Dogg performed, and I guess Kansas wasn't aware. They don't know, don't show, or don't listen to Snoop Dogg at all. So Snoop Dogg brought out two stripper poles. Four. Four. Oh, it's actually four. Yeah. Four stripper poles. I, I watched a lot which, of it. <laughs> which, is, which is very crazy to me because if you're Kansas, you have to watch these stripper poles go mm. in your building. And Allen yeah. Fieldhouse of like watching them bring in the stripper poles. So he has strippers. Well, not really strippers. Uh, dancers. Oh, dancers. They were just dancers. Yeah, dancers on these poles. And he was also doing the explicit version of his sure. songs. Mm-hmm. And he was like using like a little money gun and uh-huh. shooting out fake Snoop Dogg money to he, the no, crowd. No, was, he was it, making it rain. Yeah, real money. That was real money. There was some real money in there. He said it also said fake money. <laughs> yeah. So so if you got the Snoop Dogg dollar bills, it does not work <laughs> at your local bank. So don't <laughs> try to spend it at all. But basically, and it's funny because it's Kansas. Kansas is in a like a scandal right now where you probably don't want to be all up in the news. And now they're in the news because Snoop Dogg brought these dancers and fake money and cussing through his the, performance. The, cr- the crowd was totally into it. The crowd was all into it, but the athletic director was like, well, we were expecting a PG performance for our, for our family Dog, crowds. Yeah. And I'm going, why did you book Snoop Dogg? Exactly. Like, well, Snoop, why would you book, oh yeah, why would you book Snoop Why Dog? would you put him in there? Like, uh, I think it's the right play. It, it's a smart move to have Snoop come play your, your Midnight Madness. I think it's a great play, but you have to uh, tell parents that are bringing yeah. kids that, like, hey, listen, this is a Snoop concert. So you're going to hear. Language uh-huh. that you're not going to want your kids just to language hear. And, and dancers. Yeah, but backup dancers who are dressed, they, they weren't even dressed that badly. They're just backup dancers. I know, dancers. but there was like, one move that one of the dancers did while Snoop Dogg was rapping. She did the splits, and then Snoop Dogg was rapping in front of her as she was doing the splits. So that, that may have. <laughs> yeah, you didn't see that video. I saw that one. <laughs> I, I just, you hire Snoop Dogg to do something, unless it's pistachio ads, you're not hiring him to be, to be PG. Yeah. Like, that's the whole point. I thought they, I think they thought they were getting Martha Stewart Snoop Dogg. Like, they see him on Martha Stewart <laughs> on that VH1 show. Like, we're getting that guy. No, we're, you're getting Whoa. gin and juice, murder was the case. And he, he, and he, I think he came out to gin and juice. Like, he came out hitting the old standards. And, like, the place is going crazy. So you're like, oh, this looks like a great idea. And then Kansas has to put out a statement like, hey, we're bad. We're sorry. Totally underrated Snoop Dogg moment was mm-hmm. the character he played in Training Day. 
Yeah. Where he's in the wheelchair. <laughs> yeah. And, and Denzel, Denzel jams the pen down his throat and he throws up the crack because he tried to swallow it. Because oh, it, he's in a, he can't He's walk, a paraplegic, right? yeah. yeah. And then uh, him and Ethan Hawke get into it and uh, Snoop Dogg <laughs> says to go to Denzel, man, put him in the front seat with me. I bet I'll whip his you know what. <laughs> How about Snoop in Starsky and Hutch? I was yes. going to mention that too because yes. that's because it's the same kind of like he you know Huggy Bear right is he Huggy Bear in that movie yes he's <laughs> so good uh, uh, Snoop uh. is there's no American uh, you know pop culture icon that has gone from on trial for murder to being a salesperson for pistachio nut pistachio and nuts. doing like, a show no with Martha ever, Stewart yeah, which is yeah. probably more of a criminal than she than yeah, he actually only only <laughs> come on y'all. Well, Martha Stewart is a criminal. Martha Stewart never, never. Uh, She's a criminal. Oh, yeah, no, we yeah, don't, we don't look at white collar crime like that. They're all the same. You got a criminal record, can't vote. I think murder's a little different, <laughs> but anyway, it's only in America can you go from. Can you have Snoop's career? And God bless him. He's as talented as it gets. As it gets. Denzel jams that pen down. He throws up and he goes, "Oh, what's that?" He goes, "Mother bleeping crack." Oh yeah, yeah, Jimmy Crack Corn. <laughs> One, two, three. Oh, you're federally effed. <laughs> You want to go to jail or you want to go home? There's literally not a scene that you don't know in that movie. Nick, Nick, Nick. All right. You are amazing. Siskel and Ebert and Kale. We'll be back. (laughs) Darren McFarland. We're going to talk a little Preds with our buddy D-Mac coming up next. Stay there.